Today's episode is brought to you by Canva. Uh, We're all looking for ways to make an impact at work, but not all of us are skilled in visual design. A Canva helps you get your point across uh, simply and beautifully. It's easy to design Canva presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos. You start with a designer-made template and customize it with your content. Uh, plus, add graphics, charts, and more from Canva's massive media library. Whatever department you work in, Canva is perfect for any task. Sales decks, hiring docs, marketing brainstorms, employee videos, you name it. Anyone at work can design with Canva. Start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hears from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig with details. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Welcome to BrainStuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, BrainStuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. Most people probably know that the United States president lives and works in the White House at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue in Washington, D.C. It's one of the most famous homes on the planet and a symbol of the power and prestige of the presidency. But what about the vice president, the second in the line of succession to the nation's highest office? It's a post that's become increasingly important as a source of policy advice and legislative lobbying muscle in presidential administrations. But does it come with an official residence as well? The answer is yes. Since the mid-1970s, the vice president has had a mansion of his, and now her, own as well. And though it's not as well known as the White House, it's pretty fancy and historic in its own right. The vice president's residence is located on the grounds of the United States Naval Observatory, about two and a half miles or four kilometers northwest of the White House. 
it doesn't have a similarly iconic name and is often referred to prosaically as the VPR or by using its address, Number One Observatory Circle. We spoke with Kyle Kopko, an adjunct professor of political science at Elizabethtown College and the author of two books on vice presidential candidates. He explained, it's probably due to the fact that a catchy name simply didn't develop. The White House wasn't originally called that. It developed over time. Originally, the White House was called the Executive Mansion or President's Mansion or various generic combinations throughout history. In fact, the presidential mansion wasn't officially named the White House until 1901. But don't let the nondescript nomenclature fool you. Number One Observatory Circle, built in 1893, is an ornate three-story Queen Anne-style brick Victorian home with 9,100 square feet, that's 850 square meters, of interior space. Kopko said, The demands of the vice presidency and the need for security necessitate a government-owned house for the vice president and the second family. The establishment of an official vice presidential residence also coincides with the rise of the office's informal power. Historically, the office of the vice president was not very powerful, and the vice president mainly assumed ceremonial duties. However, that changed over time. Vice presidents now play significant advisory roles, oversee policy, and assume a variety of responsibilities on behalf of the president. Designed by Washington architect Leon E. Dessez and built by a Philadelphia-based construction firm, the house originally was intended to serve as the home of the superintendent of the Naval Observatory. According to a 1989 book by Gail S. Clear called The House on Observatory Hill, Home of the Vice President of the United States, the home was meant to be, quote, a gracious country house after the style of the time. The ground floor consists of a reception hall, living room, sitting room, sun porch, dining room, and pantry, plus offices that were added on to the home's north side. The second floor contains two bedrooms, a study, and a den, while the third floor has four more rooms, which originally served as servants' quarters and storage areas. In the basement, there's a kitchen, laundry room, and more storage. A dozen observatory superintendents lived in the house from 1893 to 1927, but the mansion was coveted by various officers who held the post of Chief of Naval Operations, and in 1928, Congress finally passed a law giving it to the CNO at the time, one Admiral Charles Frederick Hughes, known as Handlebars because of his lush mustache. He moved into the house the following year. Vice presidents mostly either resided in their own homes, or, as Calvin Coolidge did during the Warren G. Harding administration, lived in hotels. Coolidge, who became president after Harding's death in 1923, may have been the first to advocate the notion of giving the vice president an official home, in keeping with the dignity of the position. Coolidge wrote in his memoirs, the great office should have a settled and permanent habitation and a place, irrespective of the financial ability of its temporary occupant. By the mid-1960s, the expensive outfitting vice presidential residences with adequate security and communications equipment prompted Congress to pass a bill authorizing construction of a new home for the vice president on a portion of the Naval Observatory grounds, at the cost of $750,000, which would be about $6 million in today's money. But as the cost of the Vietnam War escalated, then-Vice President Hubert Humphrey asked that the project be delayed as, quote, an example of prudent budget practices, and the new house was never built. 
Meanwhile, the government continued to spend a fortune outfitting vice presidential residences. After Richard Nixon picked Gerald R. Ford to replace Spiro Agnew as vice president when Agnew resigned in 1973, construction workers descended upon Ford's home in Alexandria, Virginia, to make extensive modifications, including installation of bullet-resistant windows. Those retrofits were only needed for nine months because Ford eventually replaced Nixon as president. Eventually, as Clear's book notes, Congress decided that what was, at the time, called the Admiral House presented a cheaper alternative. In 1974, Congress passed legislation that took number one observatory circle away from the CNO and made it the vice presidential residence. The CNO was relocated to Tigney House, a 1904 Georgian-style mansion that stands in the Washington Navy Yard. But the transition didn't occur right away. Vice President Nelson Rockefeller never actually moved into number one observatory circle, though he did use it for official events. Walter Mondale, who moved into the mansion in 1977, was its first vice presidential occupant. Over the years, various modifications have been made to the vice presidential residence. Dan Quayle, who served as vice president during the George H.W. Bush administration, added a swimming pool. Karen Pence, the wife of Donald Trump's vice president, Mike Pence, added a beehive as a reminder of bees' important role in agriculture. After Kamala Harris was sworn in as vice president of the United States in January of 2021, she and her husband, Doug Emhoff, didn't immediately move in. Instead, they temporarily took up residence in Blair House, the presidential guest residence at 1651 Pennsylvania Avenue near the White House, so that repairs and maintenance could be completed. Today's episode was written by Patrick J. Kiger and produced by Tyler Klang. For more on this and lots of other curious topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. BrainStuff is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.